Greetings in Jesus' name to everyone here this morning, the one that came to redeem all mankind with tremendous blessing. Okay, we can meet here together this morning and have our council meeting service. It's a real blessing to meet. There's a lot of times it takes a lot of prayer and try to discern what God would want you to hear. And yet uh, <clears throat> he has a message for us. He always does. And there's plenty to speak about. The book's pretty big and it gives us a lot of opportunities to speak on things. But I'm glad we're here to serve the Lord and to serve him faithfully. And what a blessing to be here in a congregation that loves the Lord and wants to uh, to serve him in a way that pleases him and brings his blessing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, reverence and respect for authority is being challenged on all fronts this morning. Uh, ever since the creation of man, man has wanted to run his own life and uh, do his own pleasure, and he seems to resist control of somebody telling him what to do or how to do it. That seems very revolting. You probably noticed you did, you that have children. You don't have to train your children to do, do uh, to not to listen, to not to obey. You didn't have to train them that. It seems like for some odd reason, from the very young age, they was very willing to to not to listen and do their own thing their own way. And uh, that's the way man is made. And uh, so to live a life pleasing to Jesus, totally surrendered to His Word. And doing his will brings the blessings and peace of God in, the, in our lives. And that's what we want. It's been said, one of the hallmarks of our society is the lack of the fear of God. Could you say amen? You think it's true? One of the hallmarks of our society is the lack of the fear of God. And it shows in so many ways. You read these stickers, no fear. And I'm afraid the ones that have no fear, if they actually, I'm not sure what all they mean, but if they mean no fear of God, no reverence for God, they're going to learn the fear of God someday. They're going to learn it. It better be too late. And so uh, one of the challenges of preaching a message of this nature is that I must first acknowledge that my responses and attitudes have not always reflected a proper fear of God. I'll acknowledge it right up front. And, but I want to do better. And pre, uh, studying a subject like this and looking at what, what God wants and expects aids me, and I hope it aids you, in living a life that is pleasing to Jesus. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. <clears throat> and they go... Uh, they, go, they dovetail together. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Now, we like to have wisdom. We pray for wisdom. The Bible says you should pray for wisdom. It'll give it to you liberally. How much do you pray for the fear of God? You really won't get wisdom. You won't get off the first base with wisdom without having a proper fear of God. It won't happen. And it says the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Well, that's a difficult subject for mankind because really we as mankind cannot truly understand the, the holiness of God in its entirety. Now, I thank God we can understand it in, in a small measure. If we read the Bible and you take it seriously, you can, you can understand a little bit how holy God is. It's hard for us to fathom it. He says, okay, so your, your view of God directly relates on how you're going to reverence him in your life. So the definition for the fear of God is a reverential awe 
of an almighty, sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing God. Reverential awe. Reverence and respect for our God. That's the first definition. There's the next, second one. A terror and dread. And then we have to do a little bit with Luke 12, verses 4 and 5. Luke 12, verses 4 and 5 says, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him, which after he has killed... Hath killed, hath both power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. And mankind lives in the fear of man a fair bit. They want to be liked by men. They want to be popular by men. They want to, uh, and they even want to get along with men at the expense of disobeying the word. Starting to happen more and more all the time. But he said, look, I want, I want, he's, Jesus said years ago, he said, I you need to understand something. There's one that takes care of judgment. There's one that is the all-knowing God. There's only one that dictates where you're going to be in eternity because he makes it on our decisions. He said, you know what? If you live the life in reverence for him, you know what? You wouldn't have to worry about hellfire. You wouldn't have to worry about hellfire. And that's such a blessing. So most Saints agree with the first definition, a reverential awe for God, and I think most saints would claim they have that. I, I hope, I sure hope so. But a lot of saints do not think about that God was going to judge man's sin. And see, that's that's one we got to remember. He's the one when he judges sin. That's what condemns a man to hell. But I am glad to know that it's good for us to remember that God judges sin now, and we can be repentant of sin. We can repent of sin. So that is a doomsday sentence. It is if we're willing to cover up our sin, it is. But both aspects are healthy fear of God. We need to reverence God and, and, and strive to obey his word. But if we don't have a dread and a fear of the judgment of God, we're missing out on, on the complete picture of the fear of God. It takes both, I tell you. And the second one's kind of like a dread and a fear, a terror and a dread. Well, <clears throat> that isn't very popular nowadays. But I tell you, friends, it's an aspect that's needed to keep us on the straight and narrow way. I firmly believe it. It's an attitude that is needed to help us repent when we do our little slip up. And I, it's a blessing to God that we can look at that. So, but I must remind us, if we live with just a dread and a fear of God, there's something wrong. Something isn't balanced right, okay? Either, if, I, if we live in a dread and fear of God, either I'm covering up sin, or I have a misunderstanding of God, okay? And, uh, and I hope it's not the former, because you know, we do live in sin, you know, rightfully so, we would live in a little dread and fear of him because I tell you, if you have a right perspective of God, God is going to be your judge. And he's going to be, and he said, you know, fear him or cast you into hell. So if you're covering up sin, that's a bad place to be. 
some people either feel like God is a God with a big stick, but actually I think you know, in many ways we got way past that, okay? Most of the time we've minimized God to something way different, like, oh, you know, he's my, the grandfather, the grandfather approach, you know, he's just a loving man, he just devies out blessings and, and his presence in our lives. Yes, I praise God, he does that for you. He does give us blessings, but our God is a God that deserves reverential, uh, an aspect in our lives, that we're not doing what we want to do, we're doing what he wants us to do. And it shows dramatically different, so he's not just our buddy, he's the Lord of our life. What he says is law. What he says is our, is, is our wish, what we desire to do. Well, to get an interesting aspect of this, I'd like us to look at Hebrews 12, verses 18 to 21. Hebrews 12, 18 to 21, and this is New Testament theology. And uh, so this is written to New Testament Christians, and the writer was expounding on how it was in the Old Testament and how much better we have in the New. But he's wanting to give us a backdrop of how we should live in the New Testament age, uh, Hebrews 12, verses 18 to 21. For ye are not coming to the mount that might not be touched, and that burns with fire, nor with blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they had heard entreated that the word shall not be spoken unto them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touch the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Now it's hard to imagine how that what was back there, but it must have been something very impressive. And I'm glad the Old Testament is written for our learning, because he was saying, look, in the Old Testament, look, I tell you, when God come down, you knew God meant what he said. And for some odd reason, so many times since he speaks in that still small voice nowadays, we don't get quite the authoritative approach to him talking. He's the same guy. If we're going to fear him and reverence him and walk and walk pleasing to him, we we reverence him the very same, the very same way. But now, I praise God, uh, we don't have to say, oh, no, 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 God, I can't meet in your presence. You know, I'm going to send Moses, <laughs> send him up there. You know, I can't handle this. Uh, we can meet his presence this morning. But I think the same reverence needs to be in our hearts that was back there then. I think there needs to be the same reverence. And it's hard to find nowadays. It's hard to see. Uh, with the way people worship and they come with an attitude. I'd like us to go back and look at this account a little bit in the Old Testament, Exodus 5. Exodus 5, verses 3 to 7. Now, this is actually Moses reviewing the Ten Commandments. This is after 40 years in the wilderness and the generation had died off that rebelled. And he's speaking to them and telling them how to move forward from this point. And there have been uh, 
This is 40 years after they given these Ten Commandments, Exodus 5. It says, and the Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, who are all of who are all of us here today, here alive this day. The Lord talked with you face to face in the mount of the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to show you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid by reason of the fire and went not up into the mount, saying, I am the Lord thy God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. Thou shalt now have other gods before me. And he said, look, I want to be with you that even though many of you were not there, this is 40 years later, and so all the older ones had died off. He said, I want to tell you, even though you wasn't there, I made this covenant with you. And I think it's what he's saying with us today. Look, these covenants in the New Testament that we, and in the Bible, we like to claim, they're ours, they're for us. Even though you weren't there, even though you weren't there, I made them with you, not just with your fathers, but with you. And that's very important for us to remember. Uh, that God cares about how we live. And he wanted to review that. He said, okay, now let's go look at the real count. Exodus 19, 16, 18. Now this is a con- the context of the Ten Commandments. And, you know, they were supposed to sanctify themselves three days. And it's coming right at the end of that. Exodus 19, coming into verse 16, it says, And it came to pass on the third day in the morning, that there were thunders and lightnings and the thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceedingly loud so that all the people that were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the, the neither part of the mount. And the mount and Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke ever descended as the smoke refers, and the whole mount quaked greatly. <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever been in a good old earthquake, but I haven't. But I ain't got the feeling that, uh, that God, God wasn't putting on a show just for a show, okay? I know people pay to go to shows. But this is one you didn't have to pay for, and this is one that they got very clearly. God was coming down to speak with them, he, the, the standards he wanted them to live by, and he knew, evidently he knew us as mankind, if we aren't impressed by God's presence, you won't listen to him. Have you ever noticed that? And if you don't respect him in a proper way, you don't take his, his word as law and order. You don't take it. Just, and that's the way it is for mankind. You know, if, you don't, if you don't respect authority, teachers, whatever, uh, parents, you don't, you won't listen to them. God must have known that. He knew it before we knew it. So he come down in one impressive fashion. Uh, kind of glad I wasn't there. And yet I think it taught me a lesson that I think maybe New Testament believers, he wanted to think about that. He wants to think about that. Look, God is a God that means what he says. He means it very, very plainly. And I tell you, he come down in an impressive fashion. Now let's go jump down to the next step after Exodus 20. After he uh, gave the Ten Commandments, there's a couple of verses there, like read Exodus 20, verses 18 to 20. 
And all the people saw the thunders, thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you or to test you. This wasn't just entertaining. He's coming now to test you, and that this fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. There's a direct correlation and a build up here. He said, look, look, if you respect me, our God is a God that is an awesome God. He's a God that deserves all of our reverence and allegiance. He's a God when he speaks, we listen to, and we don't question. You know, that's, that's a storm today. We always question authority. I mean, Am I just speaking for myself? <laughs> She's like, you know, do I really need to do that? Do I have to do that? You know? And God said, look, when I'm saying this, I mean business. And I'll tell you why. I need this. Because it's so easy to read the Bible and the Holy Spirit speaking. You think, hmm, doesn't mean that. I know, I know a bunch of Christians aren't doing that. And he said, look, he said, look, if I talk to you, I mean what I'm saying. Now, I praise God in the New Testament. We know that's why it's brought up in, in Hebrews. That you can come to God and you have to fear. You, you, you don't, I mean, look, he's still a God of thunder. He's still a God of awesome power. He's still a God that can shake the whole earth. He can have a whole earth. He, that's nothing for him. He's still a God that's the same as he was in Exodus 20. That's the God you serve. And I tell you, friends, if we, it does modern-day America, America, a lot of good to review our God. Our God is the same. He's always the same. He's always the, He deserves our full uh, listening ear and allegiance and surrender. He deserves it. And you know what? They couldn't stand all that. I tell you, it was more negative. But it comes because when we reverence God the way we should, we're going to listen to his voice. We're going to obey him that we sin not. A person that is willing to live in sin has always lost the fear of God. A person that is willing to live in any level of sin has always lost the fear of God. We need to remember that. Because the Lord talked to them. They knew that God wasn't just fooling around with them. They knew what God could do. They already saw the ten plagues in Egypt. And, you know, he, they knew that the last multitudes of plagues the magicians couldn't re- replicate. They couldn't do it. I wouldn't be surprised if they heard about Aaron's ride. They put it down. Magicians put theirs down. And Aaron's serpent ate all theirs. I suspect Aaron told a few people that. I just highly suspect. Doesn't say for sure that he did, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was uh, spread abroad. You know, look, that's God's working. You put down a rod, there's a snake. They throw down the rod, it's a snake. And when he just goes up and eats them all up. That's pretty impressive. Well, that wasn't a magician trick either, by the way. That was like God. And the parting of the Red Sea was no small matter. That was international news because we know as... Uh, as uh, the Israelites went in the land of Canaan, they heard about the Red Sea. 
These are the people that God, their God, parted the Red Sea. You know what? Your God did it too. Our God did it too. This is our same God. I tell you, he can do, he, he deserves respect. He can do what needs to be done. And they had all kinds of trouble. Ah, uh, complaining about water. He brings water out of a rock. Amazing. That's our God. And they complain, you know, oh, my, if we could just have some loose leaks and dark back there in Egypt, longing for the past light, we get angel food every morning. No small situation to be uh, uh, a million-plus people, angel food. In songs, angel food every morning. Impressive. They knew this. They knew this. They'd already known that. Yes, it impressed them, and it should have. Now, let's read. Uh, now, that's their God. And they, and you know what they say? Look, I tell you. They say, I tell you, this is such an impressive demonstration of the presence of God. I can't even go there. I can't even go there. Praise God, we can go there if we have a reference for him. We respect him like we should. Now, back to Deuteronomy. Sorry to be jumping back and forth here a little bit. Deuteronomy, back after we looked at that passage here in Deuteronomy 5, I'd like to cut in verses 23 uh, to 27, and this is 40 years later. And it says, <clears throat> And so it came to pass, when ye heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, for the mountain did, did burn with fire, that ye come near unto me, even all the heads of your, of your tribes and your elders. And ye said, Behold, the Lord our God has showed us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire, and have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, we, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that have heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have in them? Go thou near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say and speak unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee and we will hear it and do it. Now they had a proper reverence for God. They said, look, that was such a, that was such a monotonous experience. I tell you, it was such a great revelation of God. He said, "Look, I tell you, you go up there and you tell us what he says. I tell you, we're going to hear it." That's called the fear of God. That was a proper reference for God. They wasn't sitting there saying, "Now look, we're going to challenge that." You know, uh, we're going to challenge what you say. No. Then God's response in verse twenty-eight and twenty-nine says. And the Lord heard the voice of your words, and ye spake unto me. And the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of the people which they have spoken unto thee. They have well said all that they have spoken. Oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would, hear me, fear me. That was number one, because hearing don't go anywhere deep unless there's fear and reverence that they would fear me. What's God even telling us that today? Oh, that there was a heart in all my believers today that they would reverence me. Yeah, I wonder if I didn't write. 
Because then, when there's a proper reverence, and then the results are beautiful. And keep all my commandments always, and that it may be well with them and with their children forever. Such a beautiful ending. You know, we, we want God to walk with us today. We want him to walk with our children and our children's children. But it's not going to happen without a proper reverence for God. It's not going to happen. And he said it very plainly, and what a tremendous blessing that we can be those that keep his commandments and reverence him the way we should. And that they go well with us, and that's what he wants us to do. He wants to walk with us if we have a proper reverence. Now, back to the New Testament again. I should have told you to keep one finger there in uh, Hebrews 12. We're back to that again. 22 to 29. Hebrews 12, 22 to 29. New Testament. But ye are coming to the Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable company of angels, to the great assembly of the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, and that speaketh better things than of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if you, if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not that we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And his word yet once more signified the removing of those things that were shaken as the things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. New Testament theology. New Testament. And he was saying to the Hebrews, God's uh, people, in the New Testament, as well as every saint here on, in America, that, look, if we're going to serve God accepted, there's a few things that have to happen. We have to reverence God because our God still is a consuming fire. And I praise God that we can be part of his kingdom. It talks about the kingdom of God. We can be part of that kingdom. And so we care about eternal things. We can be part of the kingdom of God. We're part of the church of God. But, and, and he is the judge of all. And we recognize that in our life. We recognize that God is the judge. And we don't need Moses to speak for God. I thank God for that. You don't have to have a special Moses to come and speak for God. You can read his word every morning and he's speaking to you. You can hear uh, his co-inspirations. You can hear messages. And they're speaking the voice of God into our lives. We don't need him. Uh, uh, but we do have a mediator and intercessor. And I thank God for that. That we have Jesus at, at the right hand of the Father. And uh, he who knows our problems and situations we run into. Verse 25 says, 
be careful to reverence him because when he speaks, he means what he says, just like he did. Mount Sinai. He means what he says. He speaks with just a much, that much authority into your life today as he did at Mount Sinai. He's saying that. So we have the privilege to respond to Jesus. Also, verse 29 speaks of God's judgment on sin. Saints that fear God live in awareness that sin will be judged and the sinner will be sent to eternal hellfire. They realize that. And they live with a proper reverence for the judge of all the earth. And it's part of it. That's, that must be the part of reverence for God. That, takes, uh, that makes for a serious walk and a careful walk with the Lord. Understanding that the consequences of sin, whether open or hidden, are all the same. Eternal damnation. But Jesus has given us life and grace. And, and we can live to please him. But it takes a deep reverence for God to live acceptably before him. The fear of God affects every aspect of your life. The fear of God affects every aspect of your life. We'll get into that a little bit later. In the New Testament, the, um, there's a lot of principles there, but one of them is spoken in the Old Testament where it says in Psalms 130, verse 3 and 4, If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Okay? Did you know? Because we just appreciate forgiveness from God, from Jesus, and we love you. That is such a tremendous privilege. And I know every Christian is so thankful for that, that we, we are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. You are forgiven that Jesus may be feared, reverenced. That's, that's, that's a little intriguing thought. I was just saying, but I guess the same is saying, then you've acted wisely and this brings a reverential in our life to him. We're all born in sin. And we, none of us in the right mind want to stay in that condition, and there's forgiveness in Jesus. But we got to always remember that God is a holy God, and we know that sin separates us from fellowship with God. And a person that fears God when they sin, they want to repent. They consider it a privilege to confess their sins. That shows reverence for God. When a person fears God when they sin, and we all do, Scripture says, we all do. So if you don't, you're, you're not telling the truth, okay? And we all do. They want to repent. They want to humbly confess their sins because it brings forgiveness, it brings cleansing, and it brings a proper fear of God. What a, what a blessing. Proverbs 19.23 says, The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Now, I like that thought, but I looked it up and what it meant. You know what visited means? Okay, the fear of God tends to life. The fear of God, you're going to, you're going to be growing in the ways of righteousness. Tendeth to life, eternal life. And he that hath it shall be satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Means overtaken. Over, I love that. In other words, when we when we reverence God, we're, we're growing in His likeness. We are not going to be overtaken with evil. A beautiful thought. A beautiful promise. Proverbs sixteen six says, "By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of God, men depart from evil." 
So that tells me how much I fear uh, reverence God. Am I hating evil? Do I do I love to stay away from evil, not compromising and getting close to it? But, uh, things that we know make for compromise, make for giving in. Do I depart from evil? Yes, people that love the Lord, they do that. And some of the good effects of fearing God was brought in Proverbs 8, 13. It says the fear of God is to hate evil. Pride, arrogance, the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. Well, that's amazing. So he labeled some things. Every time that mankind does it his way and it's counter with God's way, they're arrogant. Every time. I don't, I, that word is nauseating to me, but I know I've done it. I just, I know. And it says, every time that I take my way over God's way, I'm being arrogant. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance, and the evil way. The forward mouth do I hate. So the fear of God brings a wholesome dread of displeasing Jesus and God. It's easy to think uh, what I need to do is so important. I want to do this. I would like to do this. And, you know, you start looking at that, and sometimes they're pretty selfish, self-centered things. I hope that's in your list. But, and then, uh, then we neglect to do what God wants. We're going away from him, and we're losing the fear of God. I found that with much interest. <clears throat> There's a scene in heaven. That's, the scenes in heaven are very interesting. But let's look at one in Revelation 14. Revelation 14. Verse 2, and I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of the harpers uh, harping with their harps. So, you know what? If you don't believe in a God that means authority, when we're in heaven, we're going to have a God that still speaks the thunder. Verse 7, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and sea and the fountains and the waters. I get the idea that worshiping heaven is going to be quite a loud event. Okay? Because it's thundering aloud like many loud voices. You know, we, we kind of like everything calm and quiet here. But I think worship in heaven is going to be quite an event. Wouldn't it be good to have a dress rehearsal here? Wouldn't that be good? I believe it might be. Well, it comes from the fear of God. It says there, very plainly, verse 7, saying with a loud voice in heaven, there's even reminders, fear God. I would have thought maybe if we'd done that all this life, it wouldn't be needed to be reminded over there. But maybe he's saying, look, I want to tell you, if you're going to enjoy it there, we get to start here. What a privilege. What a privilege. Now, when it says in Proverbs 14, 27, for the Lord is a fountain of life and to depart for, excuse me, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life and to depart from the snares of death. In other words, saying if I don't reverence God the way I should, this could be spiritually damaging. This could be spiritually ruinous. No wonder God thought it was so important nowadays. So to take a trip or a fear of God is to withstand the deceptions. Uh, the, the, um, 
is to withstand the deceptions of the snare of the devil. And there's plenty of them around, which brings death. Our fear of God is a direct proportion with our view of holy, our holy Father. The fear of God affects every aspect of life. I'll read a few things that might encourage us to think broadly. It affects the atmosphere of your home. The fear of God affects the atmosphere in your home. The fear of God affects how you treat your spouse, how wives submit to their husbands, and how men lead in a godly, caring way. That's the fear of God. The fear of God affects how you respond to your children, even when they're bad. The fear of God affects your attitude toward your civil authority. The fear of God affects your attitude toward your church leaders. The fear of God affects your attitude toward your brothers and sisters, especially those that don't agree with you. The fear of God affects your attitude toward your cantankerous neighbor. The fear of God affects how much you desire to come to church. It affects how you feel about your fa uh, family devotions and your personal devotions, whether they are neglected or habitual or whether they're meaningful and growing. The fear of God affects how you respond on your electronic device when something pops up that is questionable and what you do with that temptation. The fear of God affects how you respond to sensual allurements, whether you hate it or whether it's okay. The fear of God affects how you view wasting time with Hollywood or frivolous YouTube videos. <clears throat> the fear of God affects your desires if it is for worldly things and accumulations and how you view that shows the fear of God. The fear of God shows when how quickly I respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction on my sin. I'm just, this is a short list. The fear of God affects how I can live in spiritual lukewarmness and think I am all right. The fear of God affects how we answer our council meeting, council cards, wanting to be completely open and truthful and honest about every question. If we are losing the battle in any of these areas, we are losing the fear of God. And I, this is a short list. Just wanted to let you know it affects everything in your life. It affects everything in your life. God always promoted the gathering of believers. And he said in Malachi 3, verse 16 and 17, Then they that feared the Lord spake often with one another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it, and the book of remembrance was written before, the, before them for them that feared the Lord, and they thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. And that day when I make up my jewels, I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. He said, you know, if you fear God, you love coming to church. You love relating to your brothers and sisters. You enjoy Christian fellowship. You, you want people to walk beside you. And you know what? If you fear God and you reverence him and you do what is right and you listen to his voice and you repent of your sin, 
Your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You have everything to look forward to here, and you have everything to look forward to over there. It's a beautiful life. But the American way has challenged the fear of God dramatically. The American way has challenged it. May God help us have the fear of God with reverence and awe, and also a reasonable level of dread and terror. If we live uh, in sin rather than his forgiveness of grace, we're losing it. But I thank God we can live in forgiveness. We can live in grace with a proper and reverential fear of God. No wonder the wise man said, let's hear the conclusion of what's important in your life. Now that's a translation, okay? Fear God. Why is it first? Because it got to be first. It reflects on everything you do. Whether you fear God makes a difference on every decision you make. It's out of that, that seedbed of reverence for God. Everything. Sobering but true. That's why I need to think about fear God. Then you will keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. This is the whole thing. This is the bigger picture that makes it all work well. And there's a lot of dynamics here. But let me tell you, friends, keeping his commandments is a drudgery if we don't fear God. If we fear God, keeping his commandments is his, our joy. For God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. Thank God we can be those bands. There's no one that God fears because we love the Lord and the Lord Jesus is the Lord of our life, and they cheerfully obey him. God bless you.